Hey friend, welcome to the Beauty Inspires Beauty Podcast, where we are all about taking inspired action towards showing up as the most confident and authentic version of ourselves. My name is Jess Bergio, and I'm a multi-passionate entrepreneur dedicated to sharing the behind the scenes of how others created a life and business of their dreams. Each week, you can count on multiple episodes bringing you an inside look at how you too can create the life and business of your dreams. Life and business isn't meant to be done alone. Join the Beauty Inspires Beauty community where we connect each week to share our goals, dreams, and aspirations every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Welcome back to the Beauty Inspires Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Jess Bergio, and like usual, I'm so excited for today's guest because it is so in alignment with what I've been talking about lately, which is personal branding and creating a brand that allows you to stand out above the noise, especially on social media, and especially in our industry if you are a beauty professional or some sort of creative entrepreneur with either a service-based type business or you're just trying to grow something and you're not quite sure what, building a personal brand is going to be that runway, that platform for you to be able to do that. So Nicole, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Seriously. Like it's, I was telling her before we hit record that the universe be like, yeah, lean into that thing. And then all of a sudden today, like I book out podcast recordings, like ahead of schedule and people book mm-hmm. at their leisure and all the things. And it's funny because I said to her today, I was like, this is exactly what I've been like eat, sleep and breathing and talking about is the power of personal branding and why it's so important for each one of us to create that. So, um, your story is similar to mine. You had 20 years in the industry as a cosmetologist. So yes, I always love to hear people's like start. What got you interested in cosmetology or becoming a hairdresser? Was it something like you always grew up knowing you wanted to do or where did that come from? Actually, absolutely not. I never intended to get into the beauty industry, but I, I always like to say I kind of fell into it by accident. I was, I graduated high school, going to junior college, like really had no idea what I was going to do um, with my life. And my best friend at the time decided that she was going to go to beauty school. And I was like, there is no way you can leave me here by myself. So (laughs) I decided that I was going to do it too, because I I don't know, it just felt like something that uh, I could always have in my back pocket. I think that's kind of like one of those things that maybe 20 years ago, you know, hairstylists were always thinking it was like, it's at least something I can always fall back on. And it was, you know, I, I did it for a little while. I would not say that I was a great hairstylist. I was not super creative, but what I was, was very detail oriented. And I was good at replicating something. If you gave me a haircut, I could replicate it no problem. But those clients that came in and were like, do whatever you want, just get creative, would, I would like panic. <laughs> so um, I, I was a behind the, behind the chair stylist for about five years. I had my daughter. And then I very quickly became a single mom. And so my, all of my priorities shifted and I needed something very steady, very, um, you know, I needed that paycheck every two weeks. And so I applied for a receptionist position at Sexy Hair. And at the time it was like foot in the door. Um, This is certainly not what I want to be doing, but you know, I, it will get me in the door and hopefully it will lead to bigger and better things. And there was already an open position for their academy manager at the same time. And so the director of education was like, why are you applying for this? We have this other role. You're obviously more qualified for this. And that's kind of where it all started. I started working for Sexy Hair and I managed their advanced academy for, well, eight years. And then throughout my career there, I did 
everything and anything you could do in education. I um, ran their new hire trainings. I did collection shoots. I did trade shows, all of the things. And I really, really fell in love with working with stylists from that perspective of like, how can we help stylists get to the next level? How can we help them grow, make more money, learn new skills? It was just something that was always so exciting to me. And um, yeah. And then from there, I I worked for several other brands and I always worked in education and training and then the pandemic hit and I didn't really know what was going to happen with education and training. And so I, I found myself in a really interesting position of how do I stay in the industry that I really love, um, but also pivot so I know that I'm taken care of, my family's taken care of. And I, I started, uh, you know, transitioning into branding and website design and um, it's really allowed me to stay in the industry and work with stylists, but in a different way, um, kind of, you know, a little bit of education, a little bit of training, but definitely uh, has positioned me into like a new role, I think. And uh, yeah, it's been really exciting. I found myself in your story like several times. And it's so crazy because the way that you described getting into the cosmetology industry is super similar to how mine was too. Mm -hmm. If you guys remember my story, uh, a best friend, same thing, high school, junior high, junior year said she was signing up and that I should too. And I had no, no other real like thing that would trump that. Yeah, so no like, reason yeah. to say no. Right. I was like, sure, I'll <laughs> sign up. And then if nothing comes up in the next year and a half, I'll go. Sure. And then I ended up going and I hated it. I hated the the way they taught in school. It wasn't, mm -hmm. you know, the first three months you're doing all theory and you don't yeah. get to touch hair it's yet. Awful. It's awful. And I was like, this sucks. I don't want to do this. My mom was right. This is the, and I was in such a shitbag school that I was like, this is exactly what people say it is. And I had yeah. such a bad first couple months experience. And then I ended up going back a year later, you're older, you're wiser, right? It, knowing she was, she had to finish. And I was like, okay, you seem happy. Like school, you got through school. It's only a year. Like just go finish. And mm -hmm. same thing. I'll, I'll have it in my back pocket. I'll have it as a trade or a skill set. And the second part where I was like, oh my gosh, I never used to consider myself a creative. I, right. people, we are right. Look at what you're doing. Something creative now, which is creating brand. Sure. Like, like it's the irony, right? But it's also around direction of being able to follow someone's direction with mm -hmm. in regards to like detail. And especially if someone comes back and says, I love what you did last time, do it again. You know, yeah. there's a lot of people that can't do that because they're so creative. Right. They have no foundation to like how they do things. They just right. wing it. Like now I know those as adult words as systems and processes to how they do <laughs> stuff. But back then it was like, you know, it would kind of, I never used the word overwhelming or give me anxiety, but I think it did too. When people would mm -hmm. say, do whatever you want. I'm like the pressure. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. do whatever. No, I want to no, do what tell you me want. What you want. <laughs> now we I can now, give you exactly what you want. As long as you can tell me what that is. <laughs> yes. Bring me 92 pictures, please. Yes. Um, oh my God. So crazy. That's so awesome. And then to get the opportunity, like sometimes I'm sure getting pregnant and then becoming a single mom, like wasn't mm -hmm. in the cards necessarily or the plans, if you will. And right pushed you in a different trajectory, which gave you an opportunity to try something different that yeah. like, how cool is that? That story is so amazing. And I love that you got to experience all those sides of it and you still want to pour back and give to our industry, helping people that were once. Yeah. And I, I think that. that it was, it was really like, honestly, right place, right time. And the, the, the fact that I was willing to start at the bottom, literally answering phones I think is really the reason that the universe was like, mm, no, we're going to give you this instead. Like, I know you were willing to go here, but we're going to put you on this path instead. And it was always what I kind of went back to anytime I taught, anytime I was teaching new educators is like, 
you have to be willing to do what the, the lowest level person is willing to do. I mean, if I was at a trade show, I was, I was sweeping hair. I was doing all of the necessary things to make sure that the show went off without a hitch. And it was just what was done. It wasn't like, excuse me, it wasn't that I was better or set apart. Like there was, we were all a team and it was all, all hands on deck, willing to do what needed to get done. And I think that's really why the universe put me on this path. You know, I think that maybe some people might think that's cheesy, but um, the fact that I was like willing to do what needed to get done. um, I I just feel like it really set me on the path that I'm on today. Well, and if we're going to go there, let's go there. Cause I really think at the end of the day, you probably see a lot of people come to you wanting to grow a brand or wanting to create something big. And I often see that is one of the things that people let get in their way is they're not willing to do the hard shit. They're not willing to Mm -hmm. take out the trash and be the first one to show up and do the extra things because they feel like it's beneath them or they earn the right to not do those things anymore. And I'll tell you right now, if you're an entrepreneur, if you own a business or if you own anything, (laughs) if you want to be a leader, like the quickest way to do that is to to bring yourself down to the level of which you'll do anything that's required to get the job done. Yeah. And I think that's something that even for me, you know, when I decided, like when I, when the pandemic hit, I had just left a director of education position. I was in a contract position with Diva Curl and at the end of 2019, it ended and then the pandemic hit. And so even for me, starting something new was like repositioning my mindset of like, I'm not that director position anymore. Like I am starting fresh, but I'm bringing all of that experience with me. So it's not it's not like I am starting from square one. I'm starting something new, but I'm bringing all of that experience um, and all of the things that I did to get me to where I was into this new role. And you just have to shift that mindset. You really have to let go of that ego mm-hmm. of like, wow, I was a director and wow, I was at this really high level. Um, and now I'm, I'm doing all the things. Like, I, I mean, I'm still a one woman show. Like I'm, I'm doing all the things and there is a part where you, there is a time where you really have to let go of the ego and be like, it's okay. It's okay to start something new, um, even if you were at a really high level. Mm. Okay. Well, I didn't know I was going to have a therapy session today. Uh, <laughs> if anybody else is listening and you're in some sort of transition, uh, or you've been paying attention to my social media in the last couple of weeks, I am retired. So I'm $250 an hour. Hey, okay, so. perfect. Uh, I'll show you your Venmo. Um, I will... I will ask this question for the listeners because I am transitioning away from behind the chair end of next month. And while I'm excited, I'm deathly afraid of change. I've already moved into this new role of mentoring, coaching, whatever you want to call it. I kind of started to hate the word coach because everybody's a fucking coach, but into this new role of doing something new. And while it's new, I'm still growing into it and figuring it out and trying things on for size. Like it, the identity release of being a hairdresser, which I know I can always refer to myself as that, but that business was built. And I, for 22 years, that is what I've been known for. If people ask me who I am or what I do, that's part of what I say. And so to, to, to leave that, I didn't think I'd have such a like attachment to it, but I know I have attachment like to stuff and to things. And so it doesn't surprise me at the same time. Um, Were there some self-love, self-soothing, self-coping mechanism tools or maybe they weren't self, maybe they were help from someone that helped you move from director position or was it easier because the band aid was kind of ripped off? The pandemic was like, well, it's sink or swim, figure yeah. something else out. Honestly, I think that there is, um, there was a little bit of that, like face your fear because at the point when I like 
you know, I took this course, I was investing a lot of money. Um, it really was like, you have to be willing to, you have to be willing to fail. You have to be willing to put yourself out there. Um, because if you're not, then you're not going to really get to that next step. If you're not willing to take the risk for yourself, then, then you're not going to push yourself to that next level. And so when I, when I came to this like moment of like, what do I do now? I wasn't getting any consulting jobs because nobody was doing anything, you know, stylists were home. Nobody was investing in education at that time, obviously, you know, rightfully so. And so I had to really think about what, what kind of risk was I willing to take on myself? And this was something that was going to be mine. I wasn't going to be dependent on a brand. I wasn't going to be dependent on, um, you know, a CEO that needed somebody to come in and, you know, and, and fix their education department. This was going to be mine. And I was going to be able to dictate what happened moving forward. And so for me, that was really, that was really what made me do it was this was going to be mine. And I could transition it into anything I wanted it to be as, as the pandemic shifted, you know, when, when things started to go quote unquote back to normal, you know, I was able to really adjust what I thought needed to happen. And now that stylists are back in the salon and things are, you know, pretty much normal in the salon life. Um, I'm able to really talk to stylists like I would have talked to them, you know, two or three years ago and make sure that they understand how important branding is, how important it is to create their own brand and stand on their own because I can also speak to it. You know, I built my own brand and I'm standing on my own and it's, I really wouldn't have it any other way. You know, if I want to take this business and do something new, I've already built my brand underneath it. So I can shift and adjust as I need to. And I think that's really what my message, I want my message to be to stylists is like, you can't depend on a salon owner. You can't depend on a brand. You have to be able to stand on your own two feet and be who you are, because that's what your clients will be attracted to. They're going to come to you for the good hair, but they're going to come back because they love you. I mean, that's really, there's so many amazingly talented stylists in our industry that they have no, there's no shortage of talent. There's no shortage of where they can go to get their hair done. So they're going to come to you first and they're going to get great hair, but they're going to come back to you because they feel that emotional connection. And that's what your brand is. You know, it's not a logo. It's not a color. It's really the emotional connection that you build with your clientele. And so, um, yeah, it was really just being willing to jump in and take the risk. And because it is anytime you're building something on your own, it's a risk for sure. Uh, yeah. And that's <laughs> where, like, I don't think in the first 10 years of my career, was it ever talked about to build any sort of personal no. brand? You know, it wasn't, you fell in line with whatever brand you worked for, where for me, it was mm -hmm. Paul Mitchell and even one tier lower was Robert Cromings, who was the artistic director right. for Paul Mitchell. So it was like, that was the brand that was down to like what lipstick color we wore and mm -hmm. the fact that we were all black and the fact that, you know, it, 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 they had it mapped out. And so you didn't even have room or space to think about being your own person in that. So that, that served and that there, that was, you know. I guess was the great foundational building blocks of me seeing what it looks like to build a business around a brand. Um, and they were very successful with that. And I still think to this right. day, obviously Paul Mitchell is well known. Robert Cromies is still around. The school is happening. Like it, it served it well. Um, but you know, in there, I wonder, I don't think, I don't think the industry was ready for it in, in the way it is now, especially since, you know, the pandemic and the gap that we had between time and people realizing what was more important to them. And maybe there were other ways they wanted to diversify their income. And maybe sure. they didn't just have to be a hairdresser and maybe they didn't have to become a salon owner because that was quote, the next step in their journey right. or whatever that might look like. It, it was exactly what you just said about 
taking the experience you had and then transferring that over into something new, even though you, it was, it was a newish career for you. It was still, it wasn't like you were brand new. You still had all that past experience. So I love that kind of gave me permission to remember like, okay, I still do have those 22 years of building something, being something, um, doing all the things you said about being, you know, likable and me being the brand. But when you don't know the terminology and you don't actually know what you're doing, um, it's hard to recreate that or to take that and move it into, into a different area. Um, so, yeah, and I think our industry doesn't teach new stylists that, you know, our industry. And I, I love that you, I love that you have that experience with Paul Mitchell because you're right. Like I, I would say 10 years ago, positioning yourself with a, with a brand and being an educator for a brand was like, that was what every stylist wanted to be. Yeah. You'd go to a trade show, you would see the artists on stage and they would be like, that's what I want. They had no idea what it took to get there. They had no idea what the skills were that you needed to do that because I trained a lot of them that realized halfway through, like, maybe this isn't for me. Um, But when you started to see artists branching off and doing their own thing and being their own brand on their own without the big brand behind them and they were being successful, I think it gave a lot of other stylists permission to see what they were doing and be like, yeah, I can do this myself. And I think even, even now you see brands, you know, brands are always going to put the bottom line first. I hate to break it to, I mean, it's just the way it is. We're always going to put the bottom line before people. And And business is about making money. So if you don't have the money to pay the people, you don't have a business. So I understand that framework, but at the same time, yeah, continue. Sorry. And so when you position yourself with a brand, when they're just getting started, and they align with your values, it's great. The relationship works. But as brands start to shift and get bought and sold and their values change, you know, it becomes very hard for stylists who have put all of their all of their eggs in this one basket. And I've seen it happen. I've seen artists, you know, give their whole career over to a brand and then have it not pan out. And then have to go back and be like, shit, now I have to rebuild my clientele. Now I'm back in the salon because I because I was promised something that didn't deliver. So like, it's just those things that I'm glad the, sh- the shift is happening. And I'm glad stylists are starting to see that, you know, brands are there for a reason. And there are a lot of benefits to being an educator for a brand, but you have to make sure that you're also taking care of home first. You have to make sure you're taking care of yourself and your salon and your clientele before you start to give your time and energy to a brand that might not be there in the long run. Right. And we've seen a complete actually 180 shift in how brands are finding people to work for them. It's by people creating amazing personal brands that are attracting the brands to them by way of them matching their values unbeknownst. So it's like you get to show up as you, Nicole, with your brands or your values and, and what matters to you. Talk about stuff, share that tell people who you are. And then Mm -hmm. if a brand aligns with you, then you may get asked to work with them. Like I got a message from, from gloss genius the other day, which is a booking system app. If anyone's Mm -hmm. listening, uh, for our industry to ask if they could be a brand sponsor for the podcast. And that's great. Like, that's what you hope for is that people resonate with your message by you being you. And I think exactly for the first couple of years of my career, I wasn't, I wasn't encouraged to be me. I was encouraged to be like everybody else in that, Mm -hmm. in that space. And I see it on both sides now that I've come out of the hole. Uh, (laughs) I can see why that works and I can see why brands do that or why companies do that. It it does make sense, right? If we were all trying to run in different directions, how do you corral that? Yeah. No, but that's (laughs) the power of 
you know, social media and influencer marketing and, you know, all of affiliate marketing, if you will, if you can clearly define your values, your brand mm-hmm. values, your personal values, that's when it's easier to show up on social media. It's easier to say, this is what I stand for and what I want to talk about and represent. Do you have like a system or a framework that you use to help new clients kind of put a voice to who they are and create those kind of brand pillars? Yeah. So I first, like I offer like strategy design. I try to offer all the things that I think will create a strong foundation in confidence for the stylist to be able to then create on their own. You know, I want them to take the things that I do with them and then be able to implement them in a simple way. You know, I don't want to make things too complicated. So, you know, I've created things like I have a freebie workbook on my website that is basically a strategy workbook that takes a stylist from start to finish where it's like, okay, what are your goals? Because without knowing what your goals are, like you're, you're, you can't do the rest of it. You've got to figure out what, what you want out of this, you know, in the next year, three years, five years. And that can be really challenging. It can be really hard to think about, well, where do I want to take this in the next five years? I mean, that's, that can, that can sometimes be really daunting. And so it's like, okay, let's, let's break down what that looks like and what your goals actually are. And then once you have that set of goals, you can then step into, okay, who am I really talking to? You know, who is this ideal client that I want in my chair? What does that perfect person look like? What do they want? What services do they want? Are those the services that I want to offer? You know, you have to kind of align those two things together because you as a stylist get to choose what you want to offer. You know, it, it might take sacrifice and it might take time to get to that point where you only get to offer that service, but you really need to think about who am I talking to and what do they need to hear from me? What are the benefits that will get them to be like, oh, like I, that's added value. You know, I want to go to that person because they're going to offer me something that nobody else can offer me. And it doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be life-changing, but it just has to be enough to get them to be like, oh, like I, that's different than what I've heard from anybody else. And that really comes from the authenticity of being you, you know, what is the, what's the secret sauce? What's the magic that you're putting in that nobody else is, is putting into their services because they're not you, you know? So you really have to think about those foundational things first. And then it's like, okay, so what do I want to share with my audience? Obviously you want to share your services with your audience. You want to tell them what you offer. You want to show your work. But then at the same time, you know, your audience is coming to you because they see you as an expert. They see you as somebody that can give them advice and guide them in a way that's like, what should I use in my hair? You know, how can I style my hair differently? What are all of the things that you can offer to people to turn them from followers into clients? I mean, that's really, that's really the goal is how do we take all of these followers and turn them into clients? And, um, I lost my train of thought. So the strategy booklet takes them through all of that. It takes them through the process of like really building out the messaging. What do I want to tell people? Who am I talking to? What, how am I going to say the things that I'm saying? You know, the brand voice, all of those things that are really important. And from there, they can create that messaging behind their brand. You know, they can hopefully stand on a a more solid two feet where before they weren't really sure what to say or how to say it. Um, You know, so that was something that I felt was really important because I think before you get anywhere, before you design a logo, before you pick the visuals, if you don't have that foundation and strategy and like what you really want out of this, the pretty logo is not going to do much for you. I mean, it might make you look good, but if you, if you're not getting anybody to come to your page, if you're not 
getting anybody in your chair, like the logo and the visuals are to build that brand recognition over time, but it doesn't really help if you're not talking to the right audience. And I see this a lot in like Facebook groups, stylist Facebook groups, where there's a lot of like, I want to build my following. Can you guys follow me? But what is that really going to do? Like, yeah, you'll, you'll get a bigger number and that might for a while be exciting, but you know, Sally stylist from Montana is not going to come to your salon in New Jersey and buy your services. So it's really about thinking critically about what am I really after? Am I after the number? Because, because the big names have the numbers, but think about how you have to think about when they grew their numbers and the, how social media was different then, because it's very different now. And so all of those things are things that I just think people don't realize that all go into branding. They think I need, I need branding because I need a logo to put on the front door, but that's, like, that's just a sign. <laughs> that's not, that's not really a brand. Um, and so for me, it's how do we really create that emotional connection? How do we create something that is unique enough to keep people following you and then get them to book an appointment? Because that's, that's the real goal is to book the appointment. Right. And getting clear on what the real goal is helps you create the brand around that. Yeah, exactly. And I see a lot of that in my coaching clients, whether they're still trying to get butts in seats or if they're trying to move over to the education space, speaking to stylists. So obviously two totally different client clients, like you were just saying, and that's where messaging gets messed up. That's where if people are in a transition and they don't know exactly where they want to go, things start to get confusing or your numbers start to drop or you're not getting the conversions from Instagram to people booking on your, on your, you know, booking app. Um, right. And I, and I think that's the part that is most frustrating for people because they try one or two things and it doesn't work and they think, oh, it doesn't mm-hmm. work for me. And it's like the consistency, like you said, of other brand, like brands back in the day, hopping on social media when it first came out 10, 10 years ago or so to someone who's trying to start now, it, it's, it's so it's different. Night, it's night and day. And no. even for me, I mean, I'm, I've been in business. It'll be three years, January of next year. And, um, I'm still barely at a thousand because I'm, because it's not easy to grow organically with the right people. Like Correct. I could have a ton of spam followers. Like that would be fine. I could buy followers if I wanted a big number, but every time I get a follower, if it's not somebody in the beauty industry, I'm always thinking, like what, what was wrong with the message? What's not, what's not connecting with the right people. Um, you know, I work with people outside of the beauty industry. Like I work with other creative, I mostly creative women, but, but my goal is to work with stylists. And so anytime I post something, if I gain a follower and it's like not the right kind of follower, I'm always kind of going back and thinking like, what can I do differently? And sometimes, sometimes it's just social media, you know, and sometimes you have to just give it up to the algorithm. And I like, I don't want to use the algorithm as an excuse because it's not really an excuse, but you have to really think about how do I craft the message in a better way? How do I connect more with the people that I'm trying to reach? And, you know, this is, it's the reason why when brand designers follow me, I don't always necessarily follow them back because like, that's not what I'm trying to create. You know, I'm trying to create a connection with a certain group of people. And while I understand community and I, I love that I have a small group of like-minded people that do what I do that I can kind of go to if I need them. And I know stylists need that too, but I really want to create a community of people that see my work and value it and feel like they need it to grow their business and give them the reasons why they need it 
to grow their business. Like that's really the goal. And that is so easy to lose sight of if you're not super, super <clears throat> clear, like you are with that goal. Like I can see how easily it is for me to l- allow other people to follow me based off of the other things that I talk about, as far as like what I established as my brand, right? Like health and fitness right. is a huge component of what I talk about all the time. And it resonates with a lot of people. A lot of my analogies always have to do with that. And mm-hmm it's part of what it is. And so when I get people who are like those people, not ne- won't necessarily join my membership, but they listen to the podcast. So right. when the end goal is, is big enough for you to see the little steps you need to do in the, in the meantime, like you're so uber focused on making sure you're supporting stylists. Now being able to help other creatives like this, that's the same with this podcast. It was so hard for me to, to commit to niching down to only talking to hairdressers because yeah. I know there's so many people like us in different industries. My friends that oh, tattoo, absolutely. my friends that are personal trainers, my yep. friends that do massage, like they're not stylists, but they, the booking system's the same. The trading time for money is the same. The mm-hmm. limiting beliefs around raising your prices and charge, like all of that's still the same. Totally. Um, so that's why I expanded my term to be for creative entrepreneurs or people who are, you know, trying to make a voice for themselves and stand out, right. but it all funnels back to personal branding, which is exactly what you teach. And so if you're not a stylist and you're listening to this podcast, I hope you are getting a ton out of this because I think it applies just for just about anybody for anything. Um, yeah. Anytime you're building a brand, these are the core things that you have to think about. If you right. don't know what your goals are, like you're not going to go anywhere. It's your audience, is, your messaging is going to be confusing and then your audience is going to get confused. And so if you have more than one group of people that you're targeting, Like I have a client that is a personal trainer, but she's also a PE teacher. And so she creates content for other PE teachers. And then she also does personal training. So those are like two very separate buckets, but they do connect. And so you have to just find ways to connect the, the different groups of people. And you can have different messaging for different things when you're promoting a certain thing or talking about a certain topic but you just have to be really clear on like when you're going to be using those certain things. And so the right people know, Oh, she's talking to me right now. You know, this isn't for the PE teacher. This is for me, the client who might need a personal trainer. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, yes. Cause I've seen it done well with other people who are uh, kind mm-hmm. of speaking to two different audiences as well, but they're very clear. They're not trying to talk to both people at the same time. Right. right? Cause it, we're, it's a, back to your emotional connection peach. If I don't feel emotionally connected to whatever words you've written in your content for your post or what you're saying in your reel or your story, yeah. I'm just going to skip to the next thing. It's not going to resonate with me. And um, exactly. I've been entertained for a second, but it's not going to drive traffic. You're not going to have a conversion to like getting that person to buy from you or whatever. So right. Those are all such amazing. So we can get that as a free download. If we go, where do we go to find that? Um, I'm yeah, sure, my website. I'm sure <laughs> even if you are clear, you could get even more granularly clear on it. And I think that is a, um, a process that you should go through every six months, every quarter, even oh, if things are absolutely. working, don't you agree? Yeah. I think that going back to your strategy is something that you should do at least at the beginning of every year. Um, I think that it's one of those things that never really stays static because your goals are always going to shift slightly. Like even if your very end goal is one day I want to own a salon, but the things you have to do in the meantime are all going to change and they're all going to shift and you're going to change your mind and you might decide "Mm, maybe it's going to be in another two years, not, not next year. So at the beginning of every year, at least, I think it's important to go through and reevaluate your goals and see where things have changed so that you can change your messaging. Because when your goals change, everything else that you've done afterwards has to change too. So yeah, you can go on my website, which is it's Nicole Nixon.com. 
And the workbook is called The Strategic Stylist. And it's 100% free and you can download it as a PDF or it's available on Canva also. So you can go in and type out your, your answers on Canva. And it was really something that I thought was important for people to have. And that's why I made it free because I just think everybody should be doing this at least once a year. Oh, I love it. And you know, the the most genius, successful people give their best shit away for free. So I already love you, Nicole. It's really true. <laughs> it is true because it's like at the end of the day, like we Google University can teach you all of the same framework. Like building a brand is building a brand. Running yeah. a successful business is running a successful business. But for some reason, our poor industry didn't have that built into our, our education. No. And so we were taught the bare minimal like, passing state board. Basically. I didn't even know how to cut a straight line or put a foil in when no. I graduated school, but I could no. call a perm. Yeah, I could give a because, pedicure, none of which yeah. I signed up to Finger do. Waves? So, yeah. totally could do that. Queen of that. <laughs> hey, styling hair, I'm actually like really fucking good at it because <clears throat> I attribute it to that, but that's yeah. for another day. But, you know, it's, it's interesting because I feel like um, t- two things popped in my head. You were referring to the person who's one day thinking they're going to open a salon. Let's just go back to that as an analogy, right? So if you're listening, find yourself in this story. Maybe you think one day it's opening your own massage place, your own gym, your own, whatever the case may be restaurant for God's sakes. Mm -hmm. If you don't start planting the seed now, and you think that you can just open a salon in six months or a year with no name behind you, no brand built behind you, nothing you're going to struggle for the first couple of years establishing that. Now imagine if you took the time to start to do those little things now with the mindset that in six months or a year or two years, or maybe even in five mm-hmm. years when I, I'm ready or whatever the opportunity presents itself, I will have already built some traction around me being a salon owner or me having some sort of expertise that I'm known for that people come to me for. So right. again, the power of personal branding, no matter what direction you go, especially for someone like me, I'm a great example. I did not do enough to build my personal brand before I transitioned from behind the chair stylist salon owner into business coach. I didn't speak about it. I didn't talk about it enough. I didn't share that that's what I was interested in. I was too scared to show up because I mm-hmm. thought it A, had to be perfect and B, what did I have to offer? So I was stuck in that beginner trap of like shit having to be all figured out before I talked about it. So had I started to talk about some of the things I was doing, it might've opened the gates of like, of what could have been, but with, without all that, like I've at least learned through putting out messy stuff and seeing that didn't land. Nobody messaged back with me. But actually that's like exactly why you should start early because when you start early and you, you might not have a huge following, maybe you only have a hundred people on your, on your Instagram but you get to make mistakes and you get to figure out what works and what does land. And you're not doing it in front of 10,000 followers. You know, you get to figure out what works and what doesn't, and you get to try a lot of things on, you get to try a lot of different, like for me, I went, my brand went through, I think four different design iterations. I changed the name in the first year. Like I was trying to position myself as like an agency model where I was talking about like, we do this, like, which it's just me. Like I'm the person I'm the thing. So I, love you. I changed the name. <laughs> it's like, And it, I felt really inauthentic. I felt like I was faking it every single time I posted something. And it's because I was like, I was faking it. And when I changed it to just be me, I could talk from me and I could talk like I talk and I wasn't trying to present myself as something that I'm not. Mm. And I think that that's 
the, the fear of messing up on social media is real. Like it really is. And you start to become, you start to get like that, that freeze of like, if I post this and people don't like it, like what's going to happen. So if you figure all that stuff out in the beginning, when you're, when you have a smaller following, number one, it's probably people that know you and they're a little more forgiving. They're not going to be a ton of strangers. And then when you start to have a lot more eyes on you, you have figured out your rhythm. You know, you've gotten to a place where you're a little bit more confident in your voice and what you want things to look like. And so it's just another reason why stylists should start branding themselves right away. I know that when you're a new stylist, you don't have a lot of money to invest, but the resources are there. Like the resources to at really at any price point, at any, if you're DIYing or if you're, you know, purchasing templates or, you know, whatever freebies, like just figure out what you need to get that brand, to get that brand solid when you start, because you're right. Nobody taught us anything when we got out of school. They were just like, okay, go assist for a toxic stylist. That's all they taught us. (laughs) I know. I was in denial that that was what was actually happening back in the day. I've blocked that out. I think we all were. (laughs) Oh my God. In EMDR therapy, she was like, aren't things coming up? I'm like, no, they're way down there. You're never getting to them. (laughs) Nothing's coming up. Not a damn thing. Um, But it's crazy because it's, (laughs) oh, it's so funny. Things when it triggers you and you're like, "Mm mm-hmm. But See, I lost my train of thought too. I was giving an example of the salon. The salon owner, yeah. And how important it is to brand yourself first before you get to the point when you want to launch. Did that trigger something? I don't know. I don't know. It sounded like it was a really good something I was going to share. It'll come back to me. Because I created a post today talking about things being perfect. That's what it was. You, Mm -hmm. thank you. You shared that you changed your brand logo like a couple of times. You even changed your name in the first year. So you guys allow that you, the listener, whoever you are right now, girlfriend to be okay, putting something out there and then changing your mind later. Just like I'm giving myself grace that I'm changing careers. It's, we're not one thing. Like you started this podcast saying I am all the things and that's okay. Like I can do and be whatever it is that I want. And we can, we have the power to shift and pivot and move as we feel appropriate. Like you had a kid, yeah. things needed to shift. That's when things started to change for me too. When, yeah. when I had Kai about 10, he's 10 and a half and I no longer, it no longer served me to work nights and weekends where I missed all the things. I was like, right. I didn't become a mom to not participate. And exactly that pushed me to start investing. It pushed me to start Google university. It pushed me to see what else I was capable of doing. And though it's taken me three years, uh, the podcast has been going for two years. It's not where I had hoped it would be at this point, but it's going and it's moving. And like my messaging has shifted and changed, but I've never stopped. And the more you do things and the more you grow and evolve and the more your life changes and opportunities come and go, like you, you let your brand evolve with you. But, um, knowing that that's what you're creating, that there's a bigger vision goal for your life. That's when I think it's a little bit easier to lean all in and, and just decide at this point, whatever it is, who you're speaking to and what you want out of showing up on social media in whatever capacity, whether it's Facebook that you love to do or Instagram. And I always like to remind my listeners and my coaching clients too. Like if Instagram's not your jam, maybe it's long form podcasts like this. Maybe this is where you right. like to consume. So lean into how you like to consume. Cause that's generally how whoever resonates with you will also like to consume. Um, so take that with a grain of salt too. And look at the podcast as an example of figuring it out. If you go back to the very first episode, I started this podcast 
because I wanted to speak to stylists, but also because I was angry that Gavin Newsom said we had to go work outside. And I worked downtown in the middle of two restaurants and a dumpster. I was like, I'm not working out outside. Yeah. I'm so mad. I got to talk not about Not an this. ideal situation. Yeah. So <laughs> that's when the brand officially started and Beauty Inspires Beauty was kind of like birthed out of that. And mm-hmm. again, sometimes that that doesn't resonate with me. And I'm like, maybe I should change the name or the, lo- the colors have changed in my, my brand. So again, right. Nothing is permanent. You are an ever evolving human and you will go through shifts and changes and just be open to that. But lean into someone who knows how to harness all of our craziness. And I say that with love because hairdressers are usually a collective of like, we love to do all the things. um, Mm -hmm. And we have many visions and we have many ideas and it takes someone like Nicole who can help you strategize that out and get really clear on what it is now you want to grow and do. It's maybe not in six months what you want to do, but maybe now like focus on the, and the one foot in front of the other and don't let the big picture of, you know, where you want to be in 20 years consume you to where you don't take action and start to create a personal brand right now. Yeah. When you're, when you're setting goals, like I think five years is like the longest out that I would suggest like thinking, unless you're like saving for a house. But like, when you think about professional goals, like three, five years, I think is like a good, but really if you're a new stylist, like, where do you want to be next year? Like that's, that's where you should think about because right now as a new stylist, you really need to be talking to a wide audience. You need to cast a wide net because you need to figure out what you like. You need to figure out who your people are. You need to get people in your chair. Like that's really the goal when you're new is I need to get people in my chair and you need to do all of the learning and all of the screwing up and all of the things that happened in that first year or two of being a stylist to get to a point where you're like, okay, now I have a better idea of what I, what services I enjoy doing, uh, how much money I need to make in order to survive, uh, you know, all of the, what kind of salon environment I want to be in. All of those things are, are things that you just don't know until you actually experience them. So those first year, two couple years as a new stylist, like you really should be focusing on letting people know who you are and getting as many people in as possible. So you can experience as much, all the different things that come with being a hairstylist. And then you can kind of go back and think like, wow, I really didn't like doing men's haircuts. Okay. Then maybe in year three, you stop doing men's haircuts. You know, maybe, maybe you really want to be an extension specialist. Okay. So then what do you have to do to, in, to save, to invest in a course or become certified? You know, all of those things that come with becoming a specialist in something. And then how are you rebranding yourself as an extension specialist? What are you messaging? Who are you talking to? Um, I'm working with a stylist right now who is, she's super new. And I mean, she's been in the industry for, I think like three or four years, but she's incredible at extensions. And she wants to, like, that's her focus. And that's why she's rebranding because she wants to focus on this thing. She wants to see, look forward into education and, you know, things like that. So it's, it's okay to shift. I mean, you just have to be real. You have to, again, be strategic about it. I think that it all goes back to what's your plan, you know, what's your plan and then putting the pieces together and, and letting people see it. Don't let the fear of other people's opinions stop you from, stop you from posting stop you from writing the caption. Like, and it's, this is as much for me when I started as it is for anybody else. Like I went through a period of like, I was almost embarrassed to post and I didn't really understand that feeling because everybody was always so supportive. I didn't have people, I didn't have trolls. Nobody was telling me that I sucked, but you really, you really have to get over that. Like there people are not going to, people are not going to speak badly about you if you're doing 
more than that. Like they're only going to be speaking, they're only going to talk badly about you if they feel like they are missing something themselves. So mm-hmm. you have to really see, you have to just really like put yourself out there and be authentic to who you are. And and it'll happen. Like I just I really feel like if I hadn't made all those shifts in the beginning in the first year, like I don't think I'd be where I am because it really did put me on a different path of just being who I am and being okay with being a one woman show because that's just the way it is. <laughs> I love that. Thank you for sharing that. That's it's so important and I I guarantee 99.9% of people listening right now resonated with you sharing that bit about being embarrassed to post. It's sometimes hard mm-hmm. to put a word to how we feel sometimes. Yeah. It's resistance, but in what form? Like what's the feeling underneath the word resistance? And right. it can be fear of judgment or fear of this. And it's like the, everyone always mm-hmm. makes the joke of like your great aunt who's going to like talk shit on Facebook. But it's true. And it's generally, we are our worst critic when it comes to like what we're putting out. We want it to be perfect and we want people to like, like our shit. It's inevitably, if you are a personal brand and you offer a service or something, you want people to like you. So they come hang out with you, buy from you. I mean, (laughs) duh, it makes sense. But I mean, I think I clearly haven't quote made it yet because I don't have any trolls. And I'm like, just really excited for when I get them because I can't wait to piss somebody off. So they talk some shit to me Um, because like my friends in the industry that are really rooted in their messaging and really rooted in who they help and who they're not for. They Mm -hmm. are the ones that get like little, little things. So I'm like, okay, I think I'm almost there. Like I can feel the first trolls coming (laughs) and I'm I'm so ready to embrace just like, I, I shared this in a few episodes back around the first 40 episodes of the podcast felt um, good, but almost started to feel inauthentic because I somehow created this thing around beauty inspires beauty needed to be soft and feminine. And clearly my energy is slightly masculine sometimes and loud and sometimes aggressive. And I love the word fuck and it's fine, but I'm also like a super feminist girly girl. So it's, it's interesting how that kind of came up for me. And it was like, if you can't authentically be yourself on a platform where you have to talk like off the cuff. You can't do this. So I had to decide, do I want to continue to podcast? Am I willing to show up as myself real raw, whatever? And so we stopped editing the podcast. We stopped doing anything that would, I mean, create any sort of help, if you will. And I'm like, see if you can figure out how to do this and be yourself. And here we are now at hundred and something episodes. And it's so empowering that I had to stop giving a fuck if anybody was going to like it. I was like, cool. Honestly. And, and if you, if you had kept that up, you would have eventually, you would have stopped. Like right. you would have hate, you would have just given up because it would have continued to feel inauthentic and it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have grown the way it is because you're not being you. And so, especially I, and I love that message of, especially in podcast where you are, it should be conversational. Like you should be, you should be speaking to people in a way that you would talk to them when you're having coffee. Like, that's what I love about podcasts is I always feel like, I'm hearing, I'm hearing something from somebody that I can't get on any other social media platform. And so, so the fact that you recognize that, like, that's, that's super important to you as a brand, because you were like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to take the risk of pissing people off and maybe losing subscribers, but I'm going to also gain more people that resonate with what I'm saying now, who is really me. And I think that's, again, the risk that you have to take is like, yeah, you might lose some people in the, in the beginning, but you're going to gain more people in the long run that really connect with your message. 
Totally. And that's branding. <laughs> Yay. And that's branding in a nutshell. Way to tie it back in there, Nicole. I like it. Okay. But what we haven't mentioned yet is if you are looking to up-level your personal brand or even you're like, shit, okay, f- okay, I know I need to do this. I have a, cl- a perfect client I'm thinking of right now. Susie, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm giving you a <laughs> Hi, shout Susie. out. Hi, Susie. <laughs> Susie is an amazing curly hair specialist stylist. She has niched down, gotten rid of all her other clients that she was working with. And she's finally reached out. We have a call in a couple of weeks around her creating her personal brand finally. We've done a lot of one-to-one coaching around mindset and non-negotiables and all the good yummy stuff that we've talked about that comes up for everybody because we're human. Hello. But Nicole has something that is a DIY course for you that you guys can check out. Will you tell us a little bit about that for people who maybe don't have the investment to go all in with you right now, fully full out, but they are like ready to start something, do something and they can handle doing some stuff on their own. Yes. So um, about a year ago, um, a friend of mine who's a social media manager and I put together a custom package that was social media strategy and brand design because I'm talking to stylists and the majority of stylists are finding their clients on Instagram. Even though Instagram has changed dramatically in the past couple of years, you know, I feel like that's still the place the majority of people go to find hairstylists. And so we created this custom package, but then I was starting to feel like I was still missing out on a group of stylists that maybe couldn't invest in custom work. You know, they were new, brand new in the industry, or they felt confident enough in their skills, figuring it out that they could DIY, because I think there are those people that naturally are able to create and learn and DIY things themselves. And so she and I put together this package that's called the DIGY content vault. So It's specifically geared towards stylists that want to promote their business on Instagram. And so there's three different packages. There's one for a brand new stylist. There's one for kind of that, uh, I would say maybe like five to 10 year range, maybe an independent stylist that's in a suite who's on her own. Um, And then there's some, there's a package for a salon owner and every single package has a social media strategy that is tailored for that journey in your career. So every single one of those times in your career are going to have different goals. So if you're a new stylist, again, like I said, you're casting a wide net. You want to reach a lot of people. And so the social strategy is built to target a lot of different kinds of people and just get your name out there. The, um, the independent stylist is like, maybe they want to niche down. Maybe they're at a point in their career where they know what, their, what specialty they want to focus on. Maybe they want to raise their prices. So it's targeted towards that. And then salon owner is targeted towards somebody who's managing a lot of people who maybe has to create content for a lot of different stylists. And so that package is something that I really truly think that every single stylist can benefit from. And it's available on my website. Um, Like I said, it's called the DIGY content vault. And if you feel like you're not ready to invest, then this would be what I would suggest. Um, And it's something that I think is so beneficial because not only is it teaching you how to create a social strategy, because you still have to be like being a hairstylist is just like not enough anymore. Like you have to be able to balance being a hairstylist and being able to generate business on social media, because that's just how the industry works. Um, And so it really teaches you how to do that. And then I go through how to create your brand identity. You know, what's, what are the visuals that you want to create? How do you want your logo to be built? Um, how to use color in a, in, you know, and typography, how to, um, 
how to create graphics on Instagram that are really impactful. And then you get a ton of social media templates that you can customize based on the brand kit that you create. And we've done like some kit examples. So we've paired some fonts together. Basically, I tried to make it as foolproof as possible um, so that a stylist that purchases it can in a weekend, like put this together and launch their brands, you know, in 48, 72 hours. Mm. So um, yeah, so I would highly recommend that if you're thinking about it, but you're not sure you want to invest in a custom package, but there's also custom packages for you. If you, <laughs> if you feel like you're ready for that step, you know, there, I have, I've definitely tried to create something for every level of income or every level of investment. And I just want to, I want to make sure that there are resources out there for stylists that need that guidance. That is amazing. And for any of my coach early stage foundation uh, entrepreneurs that are listening, this is what we call a product suite. She is not known for just one thing. She has seen what her audience needs and she's created something for every single one that might fall in that category. So brilliant. I want to give you kudos for that because I think that alone, like that is your strategically making yourself available for everybody in the beauty industry. And so if you do nothing else, go download the free resource to figure out your goals and strategy on that at Nicole Nixon's website. And then also go look at her Instagram because her shit is so cool. There's so much classy, like funky, retro, like you name it, you'll find yourself on that page. Um, I went down a rabbit hole of all the stuff she has for branding. Like (laughs) it's so inspiring. It's like a real live person, you know, on Pinterest, it's like that kind of juicy, like scroll hole type yummy stuff. So Thank you for well, doing thank what you, you, yeah, no, it's so good. I'm sorry. I give you all the credit. Like I love, like I see stuff like that and I'm like, wow, cool. Like I would love to learn how to do that, but I also am somebody where I would rather just pay somebody to do that kind of shit for me. Um, <laughs> well, I think that's, that's another reason why I think there's, there is a benefit of having like a DIY option and having a custom option because there are going to people be people that are like, nope, I, I would rather you just do it. I don't have time. I don't have the resources, like whatever it is. And that's fine. There's also going to be people that are like, I can only DIY it. And that's also fine. Like the stigma of DIYing, I I just think is like, I wanted to remove the stigma of Mm, I DIY my brand. I didn't want stylists to be like, I, I didn't, I don't want people to keep going to Etsy and buying the same brand kit. Yeah. I I just, my goal is like, what do you really want to look like? You don't have to look like every other salon. Like it's not like, please push push the envelope, push yourself out of your comfort zone and really give yourself the space to be like who you really want to be. And that's why like a lot of my work you'll see is like, it's pretty different. You know, sometimes it is really simple and minimalist. And sometimes it's neon yellow and super bold because I'm, I'm not creating a style for myself. I'm creating a style for my clients. And so it's really important as a stylist when you're creating your personal brand. I mean, we haven't really talked a lot about the visuals because I think that's like really the last step, but it's important for you to create a visual aesthetic that encapsulates all of the things that you want people to see and connect with. And that also, um, you know, even your hair photos, like all of that's, you know, I know it's not about having the perfect feed anymore, but it should still be cohesive and consistent and still look like if somebody comes to your page, they should be able to be like, well, okay, I get it. Like I see their brand because it's consistent and cohesive and everything looks like it works together. So, um, so yeah, I, I love creating all kinds of different, uh, styles for clients. It's super fun. So fun. Oh my gosh. It gives me the example of like, 
can I put a cute outfit together? Yeah. But would I rather walk into the department store and see it already put together and be like, that's what I want, you know? Like, I feel like <laughs> exactly. that's how branding is kind of like that, where sometimes you see, you don't know you're going to love something until you see it. And so that's why having right. someone who's such an expert like you help create and give, it's like being in a room with people that are smarter than you. Like, you could probably figure that stuff out too, but like, if they're just going to be able to do it, like, there's power in that. And I think, yes, the DIY is great because some people like that creative control and they can do those. Absolutely. I, I, I can't, I get stuck and I would still want to call you and be like, well, what do you think? So I think, <laughs> I think having, there's a ton of value in having someone help you sit side by side and create it with you. So thanks for your time. This has been so like, it I was so fun and helpful. So glad I that we did this. Me too. Thank you. And I hope you listening got a ton of good stuff because the value in, in doing this was exponential. You basically got a consultation call right now with Nicole for free. Um, so tag her in your takeaways, share with her what you are going to do, what you're thinking about doing, maybe throw her a question in the DM around your personal brand. I'm sure she'd love to help you figure it out. Absolutely. And maybe even you could grab uh, the DIY if it's something that is suited for you right now, but we are sending you so much love, always bringing you tools and tips and resources to help you grow your business, your brand and to stand out and be yourself because that's what beauty is beauty is all about so we will see you guys on the next one take care thank you so much for tuning in if you love this episode it would mean so much to me if you could share it with a girlfriend like send it to her right now or post it on social media and tag me so i can personally thank you for helping me get the message out to more people so until next time be you unapologetically Money.